As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. It's wonderful that so many of you are able to join our online services, which combine archive recordings of our choir and congregation with newly recorded readings, prayers and sermons. For this reason, we shall continue to broadcast these services each Sunday, even though we've now resumed our 11am choral Eucharist in St Bride's itself. Not all of you are able to join us in person for reasons of distance or because you need to take particular care of your health, but we know that you are very much with us in spirit. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. It is a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our service of choral evensong on this, the 15th Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him, through our Lord Jesus Christ, our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require, Wherefore, 
Let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind. In Christ Jesus you are Lord, and grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit.
The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33, beginning at the 23rd verse. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice, and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do not feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. Neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them. Therefore, ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, saith the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, and my flock became meat to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd. Neither did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves, and fed not my flock. Therefore, O ye shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The New Testament reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 26, beginning at the first verse. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O King, I saw in the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes, and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, and turn to God, and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple, and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life
my people may be fervent in the fellowship of the gospel, that ever abiding in thee, they may be found steadfast in faith and active in service through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In our New Testament lesson this evening, we heard an account of an audience between St. Paul and Herod Agrippa, the ruler of that area of Palestine. Paul is recounting to Agrippa the story of his conversion to following Christ, which took place while he was traveling to Damascus. It was a powerful and dramatic incident. Little wonder that the phrase, a Damascus Road experience, has come into the English language as a metaphor for a revelation that is so earth-shattering that it completely overturns the worldview of the person who experiences it. This was certainly true in the case of St. Paul. In our reading, Paul describes how formally, with the authorization of the chief priests, he had savagely persecuted the followers of Jesus Christ. He had thrown them into prison, testified against them, punishing them even to death. It is abundantly clear, both from this account in the book of Acts and also from what we hear in St. Paul's own letter to the Philippians, that before his conversion, when his name was Saul, he was a driven man who felt compelled to annihilate what he believed to be a dangerous and pernicious sect hostile to the Judaism that he himself held dear and was determined to uphold at all costs. He was driven by rage and a narrow-minded determination to destroy. In short, there could hardly have been a less likely candidate for conversion than he. Because the thing about people who have that kind of mindset is that they are so absolutely certain that they are in possession of the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, that anything that does not fit their understanding of the world must, by definition, not only be wrong, but also a threat that must be completely obliterated. And on the day of his conversion, Saul was engaged in precisely that kind of destruction. He was heading for Damascus with a commission from the chief priests to seek out and punish the followers of Jesus there. But then something utterly extraordinary and completely unexpected happens to him. In Acts, as we heard, it is described as a light appearing from heaven, stronger than the light of the sun, and a voice from heaven addressing Saul by name in Hebrew and asking why he is persecuting him. That heavenly voice is revealed to be the voice of Jesus himself, who is not only asking him to cease his relentless persecution, but far more than that, to do the very opposite, to become a minister and a witness of all that he, Saul, has just seen. And so Saul, the persecutor, 
is suddenly and dramatically transformed into Paul, the greatest missionary that the Christian faith has ever known. Paul was, in turn, persecuted for his faith in Jesus Christ at the hands of the very people he had previously served, the Jewish authorities. What I find fascinating about the, sto the story of Paul's conversion is not simply that he had a profound and radical change of heart and mind about Jesus Christ, but something else as well. He presents us with an amazing example of the transformation of a man who thought he knew it all and who believed himself to be in possession of the whole truth into a man who is shocked into recognizing with the most profound humility that truth is not actually like that at all. As he was to write in his first letter to the Corinthians, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. How very different from the rampaging, zealous, self-righteous persecutor of Christians that he had been formerly. The problem is that the idea that truth can be isolated into a clearly defined, convenient little package is superficially a very attractive one, not least because it absolves us from the need to think for ourselves. It absolves us from the need to grapple with the challenges of a complex and difficult world. It absolves us from the need to come to terms with the fact that the nature of God and the wisdom of God and the mystery of God will always far exceed human understanding. How could it be otherwise when we are dealing with the Almighty? If we really were to commit ourselves to following the living God, the first thing that we would need to shed is precisely those kinds of neatly packaged certainties because they are the very things that will prevent us from doing that. That kind of mindset will always keep us earthbound. It will always stop us seeking the living God whose ways are not our ways and who is always on the move. The true God can never be contained within a list of human doctrines or religious practices or moral precepts, which is not to say that such things are inherently misguided or that they do not have their place. On the contrary, we actually need them because we are limited human beings and such things can help to point us in the right direction. It is when they are mistakenly seen as the destination rather than simply as signposts on the journey that their adherents can end up in danger of worshipping a religious tradition rather than the God who breathes life into it. There's a wonderful poem by Anne Lewin which contrasts two very different approaches to truth 
in an extraordinarily insightful way. And when I hear her words, I cannot help thinking about Paul as he was both before and after his conversion, when he moved from one to the other. And when we look at our own lives and our own approaches to faith and truth, I wonder which of these two models is closer to our own. Rather appropriately, Anne Lewin's poem is called simply Truth. For some, truth is a fortress, square and strong, in which once entered, safety lies. Only like-minded people dwell there. None disturb the calm and certain sureties of belief. Outside, the world pursues its way, its noise and clamour offering small attraction to those whose knowledge keeps them safe beyond the drawbridge of conviction. If any try to breach the bastions of tradition, they are repelled with boiling scorn. Truth is impregnable. For others, truth is both a journey and discovery, a way which leads and urges without rest. No castle for retreat, but camps where fellow pilgrims join to take refreshment in each other's company. Assorted in experience, they enrich, enlighten, challenge, and go on to further exploration. Travelling light. Knowing that in this life all is provisional. Seeking fulfilment, the end and explanation of the quest. Amen.
Let us pray. Remember, O Lord, not our many offences and weaknesses, but your loving mercy, which has endured from of old and through all ages. We ask for your blessing on the leaders of your holy churches, and especially on Justin, our Archbishop, Sarah, our Bishop, and Alison, our Rector. We pray also today for the province of the Episcopal Church of South Sudan, for Justin Orama, Archbishop and Bishop of Juba, for the Church in Greenland, for Sophie Pettersen, Bishop. We pray in our own diocese for the work of the Archdeacon of Hampstead, the Venerable John Hawkins, and his assistant Maura Roney. We pray for all those who will be ordained at Michaelmas. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our prayer. Remember, O Lord, not our stiff necks and over-inflated pride, but our desire to serve you and be instruments of your dawning kingdom. Inspire with your compassion and longing all politicians and civic leaders. We ask for your blessing on Elizabeth, our Queen on our government and members of parliament and for the leaders of the nations. Lord, in thy mercy, hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Remember, O Lord, not our divisions and petty squabbles, but your desire to draw everyone into a community in which all can flourish. We pray especially for this community of St. Bride in the city of London and throughout the world. We pray for journalists and in particular those who are in harm's way in the course of their duties. Lord, in thy mercy. Hear our prayer. Remember, O Lord, not our frustrated anger, but your overwhelming compassion and pity. We remember before you all those in our world who are in need at this time. We pray for all who suffer in body, in mind or in spirit. We pray for those in our parish community. And in a moment of silence, we remember before you all those we know to be in need. Lord, in thy mercy, 
hear, hear our, prayer. our prayer. Remember, O Lord, not our failures and everything we have left undone, but your unending mercy and love. We pray for the repose of the soul of all those departed this life, for the recently departed, and for those whose year's mind comes at this time. Rest eternal grant unto them, O Lord, and may light perpetual shine upon them. Bring us with them to rejoice in your eternal presence. Lord, in thy mercy, Hear, Hear our, prayer. our prayer. We commend ourselves and all for whom we have prayed to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, prayers these prayers for the, for the sake, sake of, of your Son, our Saviour, Saviour Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen.
The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest upon you and remain with you now and always. <laughs>